0: Hi, this is Cody Carpenter, and you're listening to Adrian Has Issues.
1: everybody welcome to Agent has issues a conversational podcast celebrating the culture of creativity today's guest is grant henry better known by a stage name stimage you're probably like well i've heard that name pretty uh recent yeah he was on episode 142 but we had so much fun we could not wait to do it again so for those who may not have listened to the episode just to kind of give you a quick rundown he is a composer and engineer known for like uh metric ton of like video game cover projects like Metroid Metal Viking guitar and was also the guitarist on Lolly Rolling Stars album Carnivortex. And um also they were past guests of the show. Definitely check out them. They're fantastic. And he's also the guitar player for the Emmy, nominated and actually winning rather Steven Universe and Steven Universe the movie. Matter of fact he was just on talking about Bubsy Pause on Fire, which dropped back in May for PC, Nintendo Switch and PlayStation 4 from developer Choice Provisions. Speaking of choice provisions, what we're talking about today is something that is pretty unique and really fun that I dig so much, and I was listening to the soundtrack pretty much nonstop. The game is called Card of Darkness. Pendleton Ward from uh, Adventure Time also worked on the game. Yes, he's
0: on there. He's in there, and the, the game was sort of uh, masterminded by this guy, Zach Gage, who is known for um, games like Ridiculous Fishing and Really Bad Chess. This so other sweet, really, really creative kind of puzzle and card and word based games on mobile. Right. Uh, he's done a lot of really good stuff. So this kind of came from his brain, and he he teamed up with Pendleton Ward. I don't know. I don't actually don't know the whole story about how they hooked up, but they talked about doing something together. And then um, Zach had done work with Choice Provisions before uh, for several projects, Tharsis being one of them um i think a couple other things and uh yeah so it's sort of a big collaboration and then i got to to do all the audio stuff all the sound and, and music for it so it was cool it was a lot of fun
1: when i found out about this project i was like i have to talk about this because there's so many great names and great minds working on this together and of course knowing your music this is something that i think i even mentioned when we were talking about bubsy is that even if you've never played the game and just listened to it strictly as a collection of music and as an album, it flows so insanely well. Thank you so much. That is awesome.
0: I am so glad you
1: dig it. What was going through your head as you were developing the music? Zach had
0: kind of a, an idea about what he wanted it to feel like, and he gave me some, some references, some old RPG stuff and some chip stuff, but he didn't want it to be... Quite as as brooding as some of the darkest secret of mana stuff, but he also didn't want it to be too boppy and too happy as well. So we we spent some time trying to uh, find sort of a middle ground, something that wasn't too light but was also wasn't too dark. If you if you look at the game, it's very cartoony. I mean, it is very Pendleton Ward. It's very Adventure Time, uh, and so you might assume that the the soundtrack would be covered in lev- levity the whole time but it actually is it steers a bit dark i mean it's a hard game uh you die a lot a lot of trial and error a lot of a lot of tension and so we sort of went that direction with it so it's kind of a i, I love the kind of the dichotomy between the darker aesthetic with the music and the uh and the sort of lighter aesthetic and the uh and the, the design and the visuals i sort of went around and i made a couple of samples of just i made sort of a collection of five ideas like little audio thumbnails of you know 20 30 second pieces just to be like here's sort of as light as it could be here's sort of as dark as it could be where do we fall right and then we just sort of talked about that came up with that idea and then and then sort of off to the races right there's different the the game is broken up into different worlds um everything from a a forest world to a deep sea world to floating in the clouds you know and so you know try to write pieces that sort of fit with each one of those. And a lot of the, some of the reference material that, that Zach had given me was, was uh, they were they used some old analog synth stuff, the old switched on style uh, of uh, using analog instrumentation to cover other pieces of music. So I tried to stick with that, like the warm synth tones and stuff.
1: I was about to say, it's very warm, like very intimate. And it felt different. And it really didn't feel like traditional gaming music in that regard.
0: I think I have a tendency to mix things a bit loud and, and a bit bright. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, this is way more dialed back. I mean, it's not a, it's not a very squash soundtrack. It's not a very bright soundtrack. It's just very, it's, it's supposed to be comfortable to listen to. And that and it's just a different way to approach, I mean, the mixing process, but also just the, the feel and the type of instruments I ended up using. Uh, I, I wanted it to sound something like something that might be on a vinyl record, even though you're not really listening to it on a vinyl record.
1: Though I think it would be f- really good for a vinyl reason, not to mention it. I,
0: I just recently, um, my, I'm getting a hand-me-down record player from my brother. I have this really crappy one that it's like <laughs> a little, kind of a crossly ish cheap uh, uh, record player that it doesn't, it plays things all warped and it's just not that great. He's given me a pretty decent Technics uh, 80s uh, record player that ne- needs a belt. It needs a little bit of love, but it's a it's a really nice machine, and I'm really thinking I'm gonna get my little haphazard collection of vinyls out of the garage and maybe start to do a little shopping and look around, um, see what's out there. I, I didn't realize that Discogs, the website, has a marketplace, which is oh. super dangerous. <laughs> super. Let oh. me
1: tell you right off the bat, when I found out about Discogs, and this is you know a couple of years back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was, there's all the stuff I'm looking for, and like you said, there's a marketplace. Um and then I started looking at the amount of packages coming to the house and then I started looking back at my bank account going oh no.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's dangerous man. And and it's funny cuz it'll you know when you go shopping for new uh, vinyl it's very expensive. A, a lot right. of it is a lot of it is truly overpriced and I don't mean you know, when you got a, you got people that have done a really good job with uh, uh, more elaborate disc designs and extra inserts and really nice packaging and texture. That stuff should be expensive. I mean, that's a whole right. that's, that's like a work of art. But some of these are just like there's nothing special about them, and they're trying to get thirty five bucks out of me, and I I, just, I can't handle it. But on discogs, you might find. Uh, one of your favorite records for a mere $15 used in really good shape. And then mm-hmm. that stuff can add up, I'm realizing. So, I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of tr- – I'm sort of staying away from it for now. But I'm also kind of excited to dive back in. And I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe, maybe we'll end up with a card of darkness vinyl at some <laughs> point. It'd be fun.
1: But vinyl to me – like, and I actually was just reading and I wish I knew the actual numbers. But if I'm not mistaken – this year is the first year that vinyl has outsold CDs you know
0: that doesn't surprise me the digital stuff obviously is sort of still the monster but I, yeah right. I would love to see the numbers and and because I mean it's still cheaper to make discs mm-hmm. but you know you know it's on the way out when cars are, are are no longer manufactured with them by default
1: yeah that's wild to me
0: my wife got a new car my parents got a new car recently neither of them have CD players like they're just they're not in there and I don't even know if there's an option to get one. And it's like, okay, if there was ever a death knell, that's it.
1: I guess it's going strictly digital. I guess what is it, just like aux cords and like USB ports at this point?
0: Yeah, I think it, I mean in their in their vehicles, that's exactly what it is. It's like um, Bluetooth and trashy sounding satellite radio and <laughs> uh, and and yeah, aux cable. And then I guess you're gonna have to do something third party if you're gonna do anything else.
1: Yeah, because I that used to be my problem because trying to like let's say stream Spotify. Through a car or something, and then while trying to do like Google Maps or trying to get like some sort of directions, and it would like cut the music off, or it's super distracting and yeah, um, definitely does not make for better driving.
0: <laughs> no, no, it's no, definitely not the s- safe way to go. Um, <laughs> but not in my car; it still has one. So there's always something sitting in there. Uh, right? It's just in there. I'm still I still do a lot of you know streaming and, and playing MP3s off my phone, but there's always mm-hmm. a CD sitting in there in case I forget something.
1: What if streaming fails? You're like, all right, at least I got this CD. And I don't know what it is, like the best of boss gags. I don't know. It'll it'll have to do it until I get something else.
0: <laughs> I think the CD in there right now, in my car, is a band called Cyborg Octopus. And they they played a show. They played like a little gaming-focused bar show out here in the Bay called BarCon. Yeah, and they're like a really weird, nerdy sort of tech metal band that wear very little clothing. Uh, oh. And- <laughs> <laughs> and and they, were, and they blew my mind. Like, they were so out there, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Uh, and I had to buy their CD. And so I think Cyborg Octopus is what's in my car right now. I'll have
1: to check that out. They're so strange. You need you to you look them up on YouTube. It'll kind of blow your mind. Going back real quick to Card of Darkness. I had made a list of some songs I had looped because I was trying to listen to the whole thing. But I kid you not, last night I might have looped Glenhorn Forest, that track, at least about two dozen times. Just nonstop. And my God, is it a bop.
0: Oh, that's awesome, man! I love it. That's the first um, level in the well, first world in the game. The Glendon Forest is the mm-hmm. first world. We, that is not as dark. That's not as dark of a track as some of the other ones. I think it was. I used. I think it was an, a later track. Maybe it was even the the tundra music. The next music. The the uh, that we I I had written for the forest, and it was just too dark to be the first world. Right. Even if it's a dark game, you gotta start with. The forest music, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we ended up with this sort of fun beat of Glenhorn, and I, I'm I'm fond of that track as well.
1: Yeah, but then you get to like, was it slow in Realm? <laughs> and my only yes. note underneath that is in all caps: those drums, because you really get to almost like borderline prog metal on that.
0: Yeah, cool. Yeah, that's the uh, that's like the, that's the boss music. You always fight the bosses in the in the Realm. You know, it's funny. I wrote that thinking there is no way this is going to pass the test (laughs) uh i mean it's just too it's super proggy and kind of dark and almost like uh it's still got a lot of the synthy stuff in it but it's almost got this little it's almost got like a little bit of a new metal groove to it Mm -hmm. uh and and zach's like dude yeah that's we're we're good this is fine it's great i mean this is a boss this is boss music so we're there so glad you dig those drums
1: Granted, to me, any sort of like bass and percussion, and like, you know, those being on point, everything else just kind of falls into place. Sure. That's kind of interesting to me because you were, you know, you just said that you weren't sure Zach would actually like accept it. So, were there any tracks that didn't make it on the final cut? You know, most of the
0: level music we pretty much got got first go, at least, at least like the initial uh, sort of all the songs started with ideas, abbreviated ideas, uh, you know, ones that were under a minute uh 30 seconds or so just to kind of get the feel down before flushing out the entire track except for a couple of them actually uh the dreary steps which is kind of an ambient piece there's a couple that actually were 100 done but the- i got carried away like i couldn't stop <laughs> and then i was like oh god oh man we're like this is like two and a half minutes long i guess i should play this for someone and make sure i'm not spinning my wheels well, we pretty much got all the level music in order. I think we went in circles with the map music, uh, ergo, wherego, mm-hmm. and and the shop, which are actually mirror images that they those, those songs actually layer on top of each other. If you play the game, uh, when you go into the shop, it just sort of, the instrumentation changes, and it's kind of the same song.
1: Oh, wow, nice.
0: Yeah, so that and the theme song we went around for a while. We, uh, Zach was really interested in sort of the, it's, it's very much an adventure game. That's the heart of it. And so we wanted to kind of go for more of the, it's sort of the final fantasy prologue style, firmly adventurous. It's actually a bit brighter and a bit lighter of a, of a song than some of the other levels in the game. Um, but we went in circles with those a couple times, but for the most part, we were sort of. You know, once we sort of figured out what the vernacular of the game was and what the what the feel was throughout, we was able we we could nail these a little better, a little easier. I think uh, sort of off the bat, so didn't take too right. much back and forth.
1: You said like it is dark. It's a little more, and I don't want to say dreary because that that makes it sound like it's oppressive, which is not really the case. It's just it's not your standard, you know, adventure game where again it's very bright and very like poppy, but. Was that I know like you said you tend to kind of keep the music a little bit lighter so were there any like cases or any tracks that were like super challenging to do with that regard?
0: Yeah, totally. You know, it's funny there are um there's something about the tracks from Secret of Mana where they are very minor in tonality, but they're also sort of hopeful too. You're not in the depths of despair, but it's definitely um it makes you feel very focused. I mean, it's it's, it's it's like, oh gosh, I'm not, I don't know enough about theory to explain exactly why it would be like this. But there are songs, in minor songs, that can create sort of a positive reaction when you listen to them. And just because right. just because a song's in minor doesn't mean it's an absolute downer, you know? And that was a big inspiration for me. Like the mana stuff, it could have very much an inspiration as far as how he would handle those keys. But there's a lot of arpeggios in this soundtrack. There's a lot of repetition, sort of a lot of... Uh, uh, instead of playing flat chords, playing the notes of those chords while changing other things around it. Uh, it sort of keeps you grounded while you're listening to it. There were a couple that ended up with darker parts, I think, but that just kind of works. Like, the Dreary Steps is is, one of, is like one of the ambient ones. And it has some chords. I don't even know what they are. I just know what they <laughs> sound like. Like, they're really... There's some pretty dissonant stuff there, but it's all leading somewhere else, right? Like, the, the right. idea of... of of tension and release is very present in a lot of these songs, especially in that one. Um, So yeah, there were a couple that I think were maybe a little dark that ended up getting sort of moved to later in the game because it made more sense there. And then there are other things like, there's a track called the Cumulus Islet, which is like the cloud level music. And it's oddly, it's oddly inspirational. It's oddly superhero in a way. It is very much soaring through the clouds uh, and even though it's later in the game, it's kind of an interesting feel to all of a sudden hear something that's a bit more, that feels a bit better. You know, it isn't all dark mm-hmm. stuff by the end of the game. So it was, I don't know, it was fun to play with all this stuff and, and and even come up with ideas and then switch those ideas from major to minor to kind of see how they would sound, and see what would work. A lot of experimenting. I had to try some things I had not tried before to get to, to make all this stuff happen.
1: You know, we talked uh, in the last podcast about, you know, the fact that you've been sort of on the scene for at least, what, over 20 years, if memory serves correct. And the fact that you're still able to try something that you normally hadn't done before, I think speaks to a testament of um, just not only your, you know, longevity, but also just the direction that this game's put in. Because, like you said, when I first saw Pendleton Ward, I'm thinking, you know, it's like, you know, you hear certain names or you hear about certain projects and you kind of already start building expectations about what those projects are like. Yeah. You know, because I saw the album art and I'm looking at that's it, like, okay, that's Pendleton all over it. And then, you know, you mentioned, you know, Transformation's Bit Trip. i like, okay, so this is gonna have that kind of style of music. Cause I could probably do at least two hours just raving about how much I love the music for like Bit Trip and those games because my God, it's so much fun. Yeah. But totally. again, it's very bouncy, very fun. But this game is not adventure time. This isn't Bit Trip. Like it's subverting all of your expectations and I was looking up some gameplay videos and every gameplay video is someone just basically being like, oh, this is a lot harder than I thought it would be. And like, honestly, I didn't even expect it. So I was like, man, this is looking at some of these scenarios and like some of the battle mechanics I thought were like, holy crap.
0: It's not Candyland, you know what I mean? It's a pretty hardcore adventure game. I mean, it's, it is the kind of game that it's like solitaire in a way where you can, um, you can get screwed in in a deal. Like when you play solitaire, you, there are some games you won't win just because that's your deal. And, that, and that's how real card games work. And this game plays like that. Just to, for context for people, it's a, it's a game where you there's a matrix of either 4 by 4 or, or 5 by 5 cards that are in front of you. And you're supposed to travel from your side of the, of the table to the other side of the table to the stairs to exit the floor. And you do that by picking up cards. You aren't dealing, you aren't discarding cards. You're picking cards up to clear a path. And you can collect weapon cards that have numbers on them. There are enemies that have numbers on them. There are treasure pieces that you have numbers on them that you can use to buy upgrades. There are potions that heal you. And the big trick is that you um, you know, you might have a card with a that has a sword on it that's the number six. If you use that on an enemy that has the number six, you destroy that enemy and you keep your sword and you keep fighting. If you use your sword on an enemy as a five, then you also defeat that enemy, but because your card and that card, the card you played against, were not uh, did not have parity, meaning that they both they both weren't even or odd, then your weapon will break. Okay, so it's all about p- playing against. So if you have a six sword, you wanna you wanna mm-hmm. use that on a six enemy or a four enemy or a two enemy, right? Because you because right. you have an even numbered sword. So there's a lot of strategy. You're like, okay. Like, if I use this on this guy, I'm going to kill him and not take damage, but I'm going to lose my sword. Or I can use it against this guy who's stronger than me, but because he's an even number, I take damage, but I keep my sword. It is very much a traditional card game that there, there are some fantasy type mechanics that involve changing of numbers, things that are a little mm-hmm. video gamey that would prevent the game from being an actual card game that you could play on the floor. But it is very much a traditional card game uh, in that respect. And it's tough. Like, it's I've beaten it. Uh and I'm gonna have friends that have beaten it. Uh it is it is a very beatable game, but I have friends that have, have picked it up and gone, uh, like I w I'm I'm, <laughs> a, I'm on the second I'm on the second level and I can't I can't beat it. And I'm like, you know, here are a couple tips, stick with it. Uh, you know, you'll you'll see you'll start to understand what the game's asking of you. And now they're, you know, they're totally addicted to it. They're all in world five trying to blast through Label Grave. So um it's it's cool. I think it's surprised a lot of people, but man, it's gotten a lot of praise too. I think people who are who are into card games and are into stuff that's that's uh into sort of the roguelike kind of thing are really digging it. It doesn't you don't uh you don't always start at the beginning that the game's broken into levels, but you're always getting money and always buying upgrades and refilling potions to use later and stuff. So you're you don't feel like you're always starting at the beginning or you've wasted time. You just sort of learn how the game wants you to think and just keep getting better at it.
1: And I dig that. And I dig that it's challenging, at least from what I had witnessed. And it's challenging, but it's not impossible. No. Like, it's the game's not designed to make you lose. Like, this isn't necessarily... Um, Demon Souls. I didn't say Dark Souls, but Demon Souls especially was like a game where I don't think there's an actual end to this game. I think th- <laughs> I've never gotten that far in it because it was just to the point where, all right, this is starting to become almost like a Black Mirror episode. It's like how much punishment am I going to take in this virtual world before I just break?
0: Yeah, yeah. I've and I've heard that specifically about Demon Souls. So, uh yeah, I'll, I don't think you're alone. <laughs> Yeah, this is, this is a little more, this is a lot more forgiving, I think. But at the same time, you might, you might get a, early on, you might get a deal or you might not quite understand that you need to, certain certain mechanics of the way, what's going to happen when you attempt something and it can really, it could really surprise you. So you lose, you've learned, you don't do it again and you, you, you pick up where you left off. You don't, there's no, there's no restarting the game. Um, you're not dealing with like cruel checkpoint systems and stuff. It's not hard to be hard. It's just hard because you have to learn the way the, the game speaks uh, and right and, uh, and and so it's so it's not a, so you know we wanted to and, and it's so you combine that with this sort of cartoon aesthetic uh, which is kind of crazy and then you've got this sort of hypnotic music in minor tonality it, it's a neat it's an interesting package when I started working on this I had this guess as to what the music might sound like right just because of what I knew the game was so far and then what it looks like. And then where it ended up going was somewhere completely different. And I am glad we took it the way we did.
1: And a lot of my favorite video games did exactly that. I'm thinking over the years, would it be like, let's say Mario Brothers 3 all the way up to maybe even like Spider-Man for PS4. And you said something a couple of times that I think is really cool. And I think now that i have actually just heard it out loud. You know, playing games the way that the game kind of wants you to play or sort of get into the mindset because I was playing Spider-Man fairly recently, and at first it was really easy. You know, it's a very typical Spider-Man. Like, okay, you see, like, the Spider-Sense icon over your head. You know, you got to dodge, hit back. You know, typical kind of battle system for uh, a modern game like the Arkham games for, uh, for Batman. But I remember reading reviews saying that the game wants you to think the way Spider-Man would. Not the way that I would normally play a video game. Because in my head, I'm thinking of combo attacks like you know pressing a series of buttons to get a desired effect but the game really wants you to think like he would because yes he is a strong character you know he can throw cars albeit maybe with a little bit of difficulty but you're also fighting a lot of enemies who are just 19 times more powerful than you in terms of whether it be weaponry or maybe even speed so you have to think on your feet I can't beat this thing in a straight on fight. I have to be more creative. So you start thinking about using the environments behind you, you know, attacking the enemy while not staying still. And eventually, once you start getting like the rhythm down, you're like, holy crap, this is how Spider-Man would approach this. And I think that's a really cool dynamic. And now hearing that, it makes more sense why in certain games, like there's the way that I would normally play them. And this is the way that it's meant to be played by just understanding what the actual gameplay mechanics are.
0: Yeah, I think that there's so many games to play th- these days, uh, and I, I feel like sometimes people will uh, they'll try a game and they will expect a game to work a certain way, and it might not be exactly what they expect, you know. And, and that that is either refreshing for some people or it's perhaps not for others. It just depends right. on what they're looking for, uh, and it can be for any kind of game. It could be for an RPG or a platformer or whatever. But yeah the games that I think really challenge you to think of it differently are the ones that are the most rewarding and certainly the ones that are the most memorable the kind of games that Zach has worked on have all been very different than anything that's been out before like he tend he really', is really good at, he's really good at coming up with um, mechanics that are very unique and that are the core of that game like the b- mechanics are the key in every every one of the games that he puts together it isn't about the it isn't about the extra stuff on top it's about this this game plays a certain way, and that is the any any, any set dressing beyond that has not been uh, that important. I think for for the, this this is something where there was a lot of focus on music and the visuals and stuff. It didn't have to have that. The game could exist without all that extra stuff, right? Um, you know, but it. I think it is a it's a I mean it's a much more fun package because we've been able to add all this other stuff on top of it. But he's been a very mechanics focused designer in all the games he's made, and if you have you get a chance to check out some of his other stuff. Uh it's super cool. He he made a game with the uh, choice provisions called Tharsis, which is a oh what do they call it? It's a it's a space cannibalism game. Is that Holy what they call cow. it? <laughs> basically, basically you have, t- you have you have you have you have ten days to make it to Mars. Okay. It's a, it's a dice-based game.
1: Oh, okay. That's interesting. Every day
0: something happens and those things need to be addressed. It could be damage to the ship. Uh, it could be an illness. It could be some hose popping loose. Something going gone wrong. And so you have to address those things. You only have a certain. You have to roll dice that will uh, show you what you are able to use them on for that day. And then people can die. And uh, you know, if you sometimes you know you run low on food, and sometimes you have to resort to other measures to be able to make it to Mars. <laughs> And if you do that, your personality may change, your needs may change. You you, you lose health quicker. Like it's it's anyway. It's com- it's completely bonkers, but it's all based on dice. But oh it's got my this, gosh. But it's got this crazy space aesthetic too. It. It's really it's crazy. It's called Tharsis. It's on it's on everything. It's on PC and consoles and stuff.
1: Okay, I'm definitely checking that out because it's like I'm sorry you said space cannibalism. Yeah,
0: space cannibalism. I think it's I think it's how they, they they described it. I'm pretty sure that they just decided to go reductive and go space cannibalism. So
1: no, but you know what though, not for nothing. Those are two words <laughs> that you don't normally hear when it terms of like marketing at a game. And I mean, I'm not gonna get into a whole thing on cannibalism. That's entirely another discussion for a different time. But it's enough to be like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, hold on. Let's see how to, let's see how far the rabbit hole goes.
0: Yeah. Yep, yeah, totally. Yeah,
1: uh, I was like, "Well, I'm stuck in space. um You know, might as well. uh a Little barbecue sauce won't hurt, right? Yeah, my buddy
0: here is not doing too well. I mean, what's he gonna? What's he gonna do? Uh, somebody's somebody's got to survive.
1: Anyway. Oh gosh, that was like that movie years ago. Was it All Live? I think it was like as a kid. Oh yes, yes. You know, with the the plane crash, and I'm like, you know, I uh, starving doesn't seem that bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Cause exactly. I mean, do you make the
1: decision before, or after? Sorry, this, that's a terrible diatribe, but it's just kind of like you can't let that person know that before. To, like if they're still like coherent and being like, "Wait, you're gonna do what to me?" Uh, yeah, uh, no thanks, I'm good. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: yeah, bad news. Yeah, space cannibalism. Awesome. Space
0: space does weird things to people. So yeah, <laughs> so you had a, I think it was it was a, um, a, a Mike from Choice Provisions and Zach sort of spearheaded that whole thing and the mechanics of the game, the dice part of the game, I believe was developed by Zach. Um, and so that was, that's another project they'd worked on together. But yeah, anyway, it's, 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 it was a really, really rewarding one. And, and I mean, you know, it was a lot of fun to work on Bubsy too. You'll be honest, like it's, a, you know, it's, 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 it's a, it's a whole different thing, of course, entirely, but mm-hmm. it's been fun to jump from, you know, the Bubsy thing. We, we talked about this, I, I, you know, it wasn't too long that I was on and we got to chat about that, but being able to screw around with the really crazy, boppy, quirky soundtrack and then. You know, fit some rock stuff in this summer too, and then and then get into the Car of Darkness stuff. It, it's been a fun uh, year for experimenting with different styles and instrumentation and things like that. It's been cool. You know, I don't think that the kind of music that I've done for these games or anything that you know the like the Metroid Metal fans or the or or fans of my uh, original music. They're not necessarily going to dig on this stuff. I think they will appreciate some of the. the I, I'm still write the music I write, so I think they'll right. hear things they might expect, maybe not. But um, boy, is it fun! And i I can I can say you know uh, confidently that I'm jonesing to finish my next like uh space rock EP because I because I've just I've done so much non guitar stuff uh in the last you know six months. But man, it's it's been a lot. It's been really cool to to experiment with some new stuff. A lot. I mean, a lot of the card soundtrack was written on guitar. You just wouldn't know it. Uh, I have my I have my you know software that can hear my guitar and change it into these other instruments.
1: See, you haven't quite
0: left it completely. Oh no, no, definitely not. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> fret
1: not. Sorry. That fret, was oh, pun. there you go. Attaboy. <laughs> Attaboy. That's I'm not editing fun. that out. That's, that's the, staying in. That's the pun we were looking for. <laughs> That's good. Oh, gosh. I might actually have been... I think I found my episode title on that one. Fret not. <laughs> <laughs> and oh I think that God. also is a nice slogan for this game in a way. Because, like I said, watching the gameplay, there were times where I even started getting a little anxious for a person. And I'm, like, sitting there, like, almost dang near talking to my screen as if, like, they could hear me. It's like, don't attack that. No, your weapon. Look at your numbers. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah. I. You know, it's funny. Like, I, I, I finished the game and then went back to earlier levels. Uh, just to kind of play through them for fun, and just blasted, blasted through them. And re- but I was doing, but I was taking damage intentionally. You just sort of learn how the game works, uh, and, and you get better at it. I never beat Tharsis. I couldn't do it. I could make it to day eight, and could never get past it. And so I decided just to watch some playthroughs of guys that really learned how that game works and what it's asking of you. And it's just, I mean, watching anyone that's really good at a game. Whether it's just straight mechanics or whether it's all brain work and strategy is really is can be a lot of fun and be very educational. Um, right. But yeah, yeah, cards the same way. Are you an are you an iOS guy? Or are you a, are you an Android kid?
1: I'm an Android same. person, which I, I'm sure the subscriber base just dwindled. I don't know, and somehow in real time, whatever. Dude.
0: I'm with you too. I'm a Pixel guy, so it is an Apple Arcade game. Uh, so it is an Apple Apple exclusive. Uh, Apple Arcade is the new new subscription service. Uh, on iOS, I think you can, there's a, you know, you can play card on the, on Apple TV too. There's a, like a 16 by nine version. Oh, nice. But uh, yeah, so yeah, Android, the Android kids are out of luck, unfortunately, uh, which is hilarious to say I worked on this game and I can't play it. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I can play it on my, play it on my computer when we where we made the game.
1: think uh, <laughs> go back to the office. Hey, can I come in? Um, I need to work on some stuff. I was like, are you just playing the games? Like, yes.
0: Yep. Yep. It's interesting. Oh. I, I mean, I don't know <laughs> how often you, you, Android is getting exclusive stuff that iOS doesn't get, but it's not like... I, I certainly can't think of anything.
1: Not at the top of my head, no.
0: I mean, there maybe there's stuff relating to media streaming and things. Like, you know, Android's a more open platform in general. Uh, maybe there's some stuff that Apple just wouldn't allow for that reason. Something that conflicts with Apple TV or something, but... Um, yeah, they're getting a load of games exclusives. So if you're if you're an iOS cat and you're uh, and you're doing the Apple Arcade experiment, it's a, you get, like you get a month for free. Go check out Car to Darkness. Dive in there. Get destroyed by the Void Wolf. Be sure to destroy those beehives before they eject too many bees because it can get overwhelming.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you. Oh man, Void Wolf sounds like a great band name, doesn't it? If you ever decide to then make like a new like rendition or new remix. And maybe as something a little bit more guitar-based, maybe possibly even metal. There you go. That's that's the name you do it under.
0: Void, yeah, Void Wolf. Yeah, I dig it. I dig
1: Copyright it. Copyright or um, also Zach Gage. Um, <laughs> yeah. versions. And, and
0: Adrian has this, you know, the, we're all involved in this exactly. Process, so right?
1: there you go. That's how litigation works. <laughs> that's right. That's right.
0: <laughs> yeah, there is. A, and there is something in process for, uh, there is a remix-related thing, a remix, Card of Darkness-related thing going on right now, so... Uh, I don't want to speak too much about it because it's it's all sort of, I mean, it's in process, but I don't know about timing and and certain things are are uncertain, but there is something going on. So uh, it's very exciting. So we'll see what transpires over the next few weeks. It's fun to consider these songs in some other form. You know, like we've been a part of this remix scene for a long time. I never thought I would get to the point where there might might actually be someone that is covering my music uh, in some form, but we might end up getting there. At some point. And that is just weird, Adrian. That's just that's just weird. Can't handle
1: that. Can't handle that. I cannot. We were talking very briefly before the show started about the fact that a lot of bands that we we're into, and every time I'm online, it's another band. Like we're celebrating our twentieth, our twenty fifth, some of them even thirtieth anniversary of these landmark albums. And I'm gonna be thirty five uh two days after this recording and my god. <laughs> hey, you know what? We should we should be well, first of all, happy early
0: birthday. Can I just you. say that first. Um, Appreciate it, but uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, we are lucky to have to have been around for the uh, adoption of cell phones into ma- the mainstream uh, culture in the early days of technology. We should be, right? We should, we, we should be happy to be the ages we are because we've we've gotten. To wa- I think, I think, I think it's the perfect age to grow up in that window where the the absence of technology was not unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. To to where we are now is a really special window to have lived in, in my opinion. So, yeah. so you shouldn't, you know. Yeah, it is kind of weird when you see this. You see uh, a band you're into, and they're all old and shit, and they're getting back together, and they're like, and they're like, we're celebrating our 25 anniversary. You know, it's kind of strange to see, but you know, <laughs> hey, it was worth it, right?
1: Right, yeah, and I just it. am more jealous than anything because, like, my stepkids, they're they're very fortunate in that. I don't think they get hung up on a lot of the stuff that we did growing up or getting older, especially when it comes to like gaming and also music. Because, you know, for a while, it was always like you played games on consoles, and if you're one of the people who had it on a computer, cool. But the idea of playing a game on a phone and that game be just as every bit as in-depth and as, you know, innovative as anything like on a console or PC, I think there's still like that weird stigma. I feel like maybe with our generation where... Mobile gaming isn't quite seen as legitimate where it's like, no, quite the opposite. There's some breathtaking stuff coming out for mobile.
0: There is. I'll tell you what, I'm interested in this Apple Arcade thing because they are curating games that don't have the microtransaction stuff. Mm-hmm. And and Play Store is doing the same thing. I actually just subscribed to it. It's called Play what's it called, Adrian? Play Pass or something?
1: Yeah. Something uh, like
0: but yeah, basically you pay I think it's two ninety nine a month. And you get access to a a selection of games that that don't have DLC, don't have microtransactions. They're just straight up free. And I kind of like that because I feel like a lot of mobile developers get wrapped up in the idea of they're they're trying to get a piece of this free-to-play market. If you look at like the top grossing games on mobile, just to skim down the list, they're all free. All of like all of them, all the top grossing, which is really ironic the ones that make the mm-hmm. most money are all free, except for Minecraft. Other than that, they're all free because people are because they have their whales, you know, that spend all this crazy money. So you end up with these subpar gaming experiences because you know these these companies instead of just selling a game for three four to, three four or five bucks, they're trying to milk it milk it you know some other way, and it's very disappointing. Yeah. It's such a turn off. Like I I love the occasional clicker, and I mean I know what I'm getting into. I, I try not to spend money if I don't have to, but. Uh, a game where I can just spend five bucks and enjoy the game and delete it from my phone is just yeah. a joy. I just love it.
1: And I don't think there's anything wrong with that because I know like there's people, like you said, they get maybe a little squeamish about it, but I'm like, no, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that. You know, as long as it A is a game that's worthwhile and that you can enjoy it in that. It also depends on how much time you have to game and, you know, we're talking about getting older. A lot of us don't have maybe the time to kind of sit down and play a game that's maybe longer- at least not in long stretches. So something like that, I think, works fine for these kind of small bits of. Hey, I'm waiting online at the DMV, or I don't know, I'm sitting in traffic. Even though you probably should not be gaming while you're behind the wheel, but <laughs> yeah, probably not. Probably not. Nope.
0: But- uh, I think for me, it, it, it's a. It becomes more of a problem when they, uh, when you don't have the ability to give them enough money to take away the ads. Ever, it's sort of like right. a, there's a game I'm enjoying. There is if there isn't an option for me to give them five dollars and just unlock, get rid of the ads. Like the ads are gonna be there forever. That's just such a bummer. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can't that the fact that I can't get out of that because they will never make as much money for my five dollars as they will the ads, is just kind of but then you know, it's business, right? I mean it's just it's it's an industry like everything else. And
1: yeah, I know people gotta eat, but I guess it's like one of those things that you know, you're only able to do what you're comfortable doing.
0: Sure. Everyone's got a subscription, right? So, uh, we'll see where all that goes. Uh, it's on yeah. consoles too, right? Game Pass and stuff. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. It'll be it'll be, it'd be fun to watch. Uh, yeah, but it's cool to be a, a small part of that. You know, it's I, I will say it's my preference would be for for uh, all games to be on all mobile devices, but that's obviously not where we are. It's not going to happen like that. So,
1: and maybe down the line, but. Yeah, it, like you said, it's interesting because very slowly in these very, and I always thought it'd be like those big sweeping like paradigm shifts that would normally happen with gaming generations. But it's a lot more subtle, like between you know, said Apple and Google, uh, and even as far as things like the Switch, where I didn't think there was ever a time where you wouldn't see a DS or a Game Boy. Where now. Nintendo flipped the script on itself, being like, you know, handhelds were always our bread and butter, but now we've matched both the handheld and console gaming, so the hell do I know?
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. The the line has gotten very blurry there. Gosh, they'll make really good decisions, and then real bad decisions, and then really good decisions, (laughs) you know? It's crazy.
1: Crazy. Oh my gosh, but... Anyway. Thank you so much for taking the time out and chatting with me.
0: Yeah, sorry. I don't know how we got on, like, mobile microtra- like, mobile. In the- yeah, I don't know. It's just fun to fuss about that stuff.
1: That's fun. I mean, shoot, last time we ended up talking about, like, pinball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. I forgot. And I had such a blast talking about that because I really was not aware that pinball was still such a, like, big market. You know, I always thought of it being like, okay, there's a pinball machine, there's pizzeria that barely works. And after we chatted, like, I started looking at more stuff. And I'm like, this is, this is cool and i never would have known about that unless someone took the time out of the day to be like hey this whole other world exists
0: yeah totally it's fun to to gab about and yeah i will say if you get if you have an ios device um uh i mean regardless of how you feel about this uh, subscription service for gaming the mm-hmm. the games on apple arcade are freaking incredible like a lot of them are just incredible and the cost of one of those games on pc like just what the golf, which is a fifteen dollar game on PC, is just part of the five dollar a month thing for Apple Arcade. So it's a it is a steal. Uh, I recommend checking the trial out and checking card out and checking out a lot of the other stuff on there because there's there's some killer games on there.
1: This is actually hard because I was trying to think of a track that would encompass the game pretty well. Like, you know, Glenhorn or like Slellin. Like they're completely different vibes, but I figured dealer's choice, like I don't know if there's a track that you personally feel would be a really good representation of the album, something that we can maybe play while as we're closing out. Wow, I don't know, man. I got no idea.
0: Go for Glenhorn. That's a, it's like you said, you you called that one out, so yeah, it was either that or Sullen. Yeah, go for go for Glenhorn if you wanna. If you if we check the record out, you know Glenhorn is sort of the the way the game starts, and Sullen's the way it ends. So uh, if you dig the this boppy one, feel free to go and dig into some of the crazier tracks later on.
1: So yeah, definitely. So yeah, I think Glenhorn's a great place to start. So again, thank you so much. And actually, before you go, let everybody know where they can um, find more of your stuff, or maybe even interact with you on social media, or anything else you feel like plugging it uh, before we head out.
0: Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, I am on. I'm most active, I think, on Twitter uh, at Stemage. I don't really post a lot elsewhere. I have other accounts and stuff, but uh, I'm most active on there, I think. And then uh, StemageMusic.com has links to sort of everything. If there's something that there's a service you use and you want to follow me there, that's cool. I try to keep you know the info updated there about what, what I have going on and um, my creative stuff and my production stuff is all all kind of there. So feel free to check that out. Excellent.
1: Check out Card of Darkness, check out the soundtrack, which is also available on, you know, Bandcamp, Spotify. And also, shout out to Materia Collective for uh, putting this together. Yes. And this is just a great, the Materia Collective, and I know this sounds like, you know, like I'm kind of like making a commercial here, and I swear to you I'm not. But I've always just dug the stuff that they put together. And as someone who loves gaming and music and gaming music... It's just this great marriage of just quality stuff on all fronts. So, again, thanks for uh, putting that together. Yeah, I love
0: Materia. I love everything they do. And and they were really cool to help me put this soundtrack out. So, big props to them.
1: Before we head out, you will hear Glenhorn Forest off of the Card of Darkness soundtrack. So, uh, we'll see you next time. Have a good day. For great podcasts, visit AgentHasIssues